And I always tell people, don't be afraid of casting your line anywhere. As yeah. far as you see water and you think there's fishing it, just go and give it a cast. You never know what you're going to catch. You are listening to Welcome back to another episode of the Urban Wildlife Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Billy Brown. Here we've got a in-the-field outing we did with Leo Shang from Extreme Philly Fishing. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check out his YouTube channel and other social media, do it. We had a great time talking to him, but to really catch the full energy of Leo Shang, you got to watch some of his YouTube videos. Sometimes I just turn them on because he cheers me up, not to mention the cool fishing that you see in the videos. This conversation is a bit Philly-centric, so apologies to our fans from other cities, other countries, but I think a lot of it still applies wherever you are. Um, the ideas of um, going out there, not focusing necessarily on particular trophy species of fish, but fishing where you live and seeing how many species you can catch out of where you live and using that as a way to connect with our urban, our local biodiversity, the biodiversity in the water. As usual, if you like this podcast, please rate us highly on your podcast listening app of choice. Please tell your friends about it on social media, in person, however you want to do it. And please get in touch with us with your ideas, comments, thoughts, questions at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at herbwildlifecast. Uh, find us on Facebook. And now please enjoy uh, the conversation Tony and I had at Cobbs Creek with Leo Shang. Crickchip has got the scientific name Semotilus atromaculatus. It is one of the most common species of fish around the area. It is yep. pretty much in all of our creeks. Yep. Beautiful little fella. It's got a golden stripe here on the side. A very strong black band that goes all the way from the operculum to the tail. Very aggressive and greedy fish. So this is about, a, for, for those who aren't looking at it, this is a, oh, it's in the water. Yeah, it's in the water. <laughs> it's a four inch long, um, slender looking fish yes. uh, and we just pulled it out at right below a storm sewer outfall on, <laughs> on for reference on Cobbs Creek in at the border of West Philadelphia and Delaware County I assume the fish was hooked on the Philadelphia side and pulled out of the water on the Delaware County side yeah, and you know what? It's very interesting. That pipe over there, yeah. it's got a sign. Did you, did you see that? There's got a sign right next to it. <laughs> that it says, danger, do not enter. Yes. Now, you know, right, about the thing about signs is if people put a sign like that up there... You want to enter. Yeah. That means someone <laughs> in the past... You're talking to somebody tried, you know? who's gone up sewer outfall. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've done it too. Uh -huh. Oh, hello. That's a little red flesh. This place is infested. So this red is a red-breasted sunfish. It's yeah. like a orange, what I would call like an orange chest, and sort of iridescent grayish sides and a black spot, um, all behind the eye. That's Tell us what accurate. is a red, what is a red-breasted sunfish? Yeah, so this is one of the sunfish that lives in the creeks around our area. It is part of the Centratidae family. There's about four different types that live around here. And this one in particular really, really likes the creeks. It likes yeah. fast current. It's a beautiful specimen. Not a lot of people actually know, know about the species, sadly, you know? Well, I think everybody sees them and says, oh, sunfish. 
That's right. That's usually how we go. <laughs> Even though yes. there's four different kinds. It is usually sunfish or panfish, and then the southerners, they call it the bream. Uh, People okay. don't often know how to differentiate them. Yeah, but there are yeah. many, many different ones within the family. Awesome. So do you mind if I ask you some questions? Absolutely. Go ahead. I mean, I don't mind at all. That's what and I And you just pulled in another one on, another, on the next cast. Yes. This okay. place has a lot of these. And I think another one followed that one, and there's there a couple of them. Yeah, two in there's the water a couple right there. of them right over there. So you can see them swimming right yeah, around yeah, here, yeah. too. So how did you get into fishing? You mean here in the United States of America or no, back in Brazil? Oh, I Brazil, see. sure. Sure, yeah. So when I was a kid, my dad, this, this runs in the family. And since you just mentioned that, you're from Brazil? I'm from Brazil. There you go. That's okay. right. <laughs> I was born and raised in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, okay. so in the south of the country, right next to Rio. Yeah, and the, how it started is, you know, it runs in the family. My family is originally from China. Okay. Though. So we are originally from Qingdao, Shantong, China, which okay. is the in the eastern portion of the country. And my grandfather used to fish back there. He taught my dad. And then, you know, I was born in Brazil. And my dad taught me. Yeah. So back in the days, this is what we used to go to do. My dad used to work five days a week. You know, typical middle-class family. Yep. And on the weekends, he would take me to the local reservoir and we would fish. That was our kind of family time yeah. back in the days. And that's how I got started. That was about when I was eight years old. Okay. Yeah. I came to Philly. I started a community college in Philadelphia for an associate's degree. Yep. And, you know, while I was here learning the language and the culture and adapting, I found the Schuylkill River right next to the community <laughs> college. And since I had fishing as a hobby when I was a kid, I just bought, you know, we call it the Walmart special. Yeah. You just go to Walmart and get the cheapest combo. Yeah. And I just got a rod reel combo and I got started over here. Okay. So that's pretty much the story. Cool. And so how did, how did you get into doing this publicly? What, what switched you from being a guy who went fishing? to a guy who started a YouTube channel, all oh, social media, all that. So at the beginning, back in 2011 actually, the first four years, I just focused a lot on studying, getting my, getting my associate's degree, then yep. I went to Temple University yep. for physics. But meanwhile, I started fishing, I noticed something, and that was that every time I was fishing the urban watersheds in Philadelphia, people would stop by and ask me, you know, what I'm catching, right? And yeah. a lot of them actually wouldn't believe that the river had life in it. Yeah. So I, I used to catch a lot of channel catfish yep. in the, the Skugu River, and people would stop by and be like, wow, you know, I never saw this before. I thought this was polluted, right? Yep. I thought this was the sewage of the city. So back in 2011, I finally decided to start a fishing blog. Uh -huh. That was my first social media my social media <laughs> page ever and sorry i'm here catching the fish and they're falling no 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 this is this and the main a, a great and the backdrop main... to the conversation is perfect. gotcha <laughs> and then you know i started the social media the the blog yeah. and the main objective was pretty much to inform inform people right of all the different species around the area let people yep. know look our urban waterways have a lot of life it is not really as polluted as you guys think it is Exactly. And this is how they really started. This is the photo tank. Yeah, okay. this is a little photo tank. So when I catch the smaller species of fish, 
Less than six inches, you know? Yep. They don't die on me. I love fishing, but I, like it's weird for a guy who's like, so theoretically not, like I always feel so bad about like hooking fish and bringing them in. But I, every time like I'm in a situation where I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I'm teaching kids. I guess I have to fish. This is the best thing in the world. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> or like, I'm in Alaska. I guess I'll fish and fish because everybody else is doing it. And I'm like, this is awesome. My friend's like, let's go to Oregon. I'm like, oh, I feel bad about the fish. And it's like, 10 minutes into it, I'm like catching all these like kokanee and a bull trout. Uh, but I, I never like, make, I never make it a point to, to like fish on my own. But every time, I really like it. You totally could. I know, I really get into it. I mean, you work on a creek. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got a sing net though. You could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So Leo, you're looking under rocks. What are you looking under rocks for? Yeah, sometimes we flip them in the creeks to see if there are smaller species of fish that hide under it. Okay. You know, different species of fish like different habitats. Yeah. And some of them really like to hide under the rocks, especially the darters. Okay. And the sculpins. Here there are no sculpins, but sometimes there are some darters, small ones. And what's but a darter? That's a very, very small species of fish around our area. There's only one actually called the tessellated okay. darter. What does it look like? Oh man, it's hard to describe. <laughs> it is very small, long, slender. It's got a few vertical bars on its body okay. with a very, very small mouth pointed downwards. Okay. It is perfect for sucking, you know, the little organisms okay. down the creek. And it just, it is tough to catch. That one is really tough to catch. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to use pretend to be a caddisfly stuck to larvae stuck to a rock. Ooh, we use <laughs> we use hooks so small. I can show you. I have one over there, but the, the hook is so small. It is so painful to tie on your line. And even <laughs> when you find the fish, you have to position the food right in front of its mouth, otherwise the fish won't won't feed. And the worst thing that can happen when you catch those types of fish is you caught it, and it comes out of the water, and then flips a few times, and it drops right back, right. And then you just, sometimes there's only one, not, not like a school, right? So you're making me think of some like micro-fishing like, precisely videos I've seen out yes, of Japan. Yes, this is precisely what it is. Yeah. I do a lot of micro-fishing around the area. And for a micro-angler, there's nothing worse than that, believe me. It <laughs> happened to me so many times. Sometimes you see a school of fish down there. There's like 30 of them. Yeah. And there's only one or two of the specific species you want to catch. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the fish comes, bites your stuff and you don't hook it right, but it fell the hook, that fish is not going to bite today again, okay. right? So you missed the opportunity. Yeah. So like I said, the worst thing that can happen is when you find only one, and then you pull the hook, comes out of the water, right? And you're waiting to land it, and it flips right, yeah, it goes right back. So talk about multi-species fishing. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, uh -huh. like, my flotation with fishing was mostly like, when I would be in Florida visiting my grandparents, uh -huh. and I would fish for largemouth bass in ponds at their golf course. I imagine that was like single species fishing. Sure, sure, yes. Um, we have a name in the community for what we do. It's called life listing. Okay. I didn't give this name. I don't know who exactly it named it. It comes from it. birding. Oh, it comes from birding. <laughs> oh, there you go. So it's exactly what it is. It's all about what they call lifers, right? You make okay. a list and a lot of people have like a TXT list, some of them have a database with photos, yeah. right? And you just go out there, catch the fish, and you start your own list, and you see how many species of fish you can catch in your lifetime. When yeah. I, I went to Belize, uh, I, I was there, for, and I went back to school in my 30s, and I went, uh, I took tropical marine ecology or 
and yeah. uh, we're talking marine biology, and not realizing it had to go to Belize, and so like, so I had to go to Belize for a week, no problem. But I went there and I was like, I'm going to treat this like birding. I'm going to try to see a hundred species of fish, and no one else had ever like who'd been to the marine center had ever like done that, and they're like, really? I don't know if you get a hundred. And like I got like 120 some. People were like, I'd be like snorkeling. They'd be like, Tony, there's a remora on on that sh- on that nurse shark. Go get it. I'm like, there's a queen trick over here. It's like, so I could totally see how uh, um, like uh, translate to fishing too. I saw mm-hmm. an article of a guy on for his 50th birthday with the keys and try to catch 50 species of fish. Yeah, yeah. a lot of kind of things happen. A lot of this kind of. But these happen. are places like Belize and the Florida Keys, Ryan. So what I find fascinating is you doing this in urban streams around major cities. I mean, mainly because I'm stationed here right now. But yeah. now I'm traveling pretty much different parts of the country. Sure. Pursuing, you know, different species. Ah, okay. Yes. One question I have, though. Yeah. Uh, so how many birds you got? You, you got a list for the birds, too, right? Um, is it like s- almost 1,800. Almost 1,800? Yeah. And I mean, for, a lot. Yeah. for your field, is that like a lot, a lot? For my field, for a guy who doesn't live as a professional field guide uh-huh. and who doesn't um, isn't rich and just buys his way on the tours, that's that's a good list. I asked that question because this is pretty much what happens in our community too. Yeah, I think the top three people around the world for like life listing for fish, they only got a thousand four hundred, a thousand five hundred fish. Well, you actually got it catch them yeah or you're gonna you just, catch you them see them that yeah. that, that is true that is true the, the fish they always have to be caught <laughs> they always have to be caught by hook and line oh, on the mouth no snagging no nothing just catching in legit that way right okay yeah well there's only three people in the in the whole world right now with the community we all know them and one has about a thousand five hundred the other one just passed a thousand and there's a sketchy canadian guy that nobody knows who it is it's about a thousand two hundred yeah, and everyone else is below that. I- I'm at right 200 right now, so I'm still lacking a lot when it comes to that. How many of those in the Philly area? <laughs> in the Philly area, I would say about 100 or so. Yes, maybe a little bit less, 80. Yeah, I-, I, have, I have never counted. But still, I think it would surprise a lot of people that in the fifth or sixth biggest city mm-hmm. in the country, you can find 80 species of fish. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, I've fished all around Philadelphia, all these little creeks, right? Today we are in the Cobbs. Yep. I've been already to the Darby, the Wissahickon, the Pennypack, yep. the smaller ones as well, the, the rivers and the lakes. What's yep. your favorite spot? In the city, yeah. when it comes to size or when it comes to species? Well, I guess you could say that it's the Schuylkill River for both. Okay. Because you can walk very little to find so many different types of fish. Mm. Just like in Center City, Philadelphia, right over there, you have certain species of fish right under the Fairmount Dam that you can only find in the Fairmount Dam area. Like what? Uh, the walleye, the Zander Vitreos, is wa- right there. They put walleye out of there? Yeah, they put walleye out of there. I grew up in the Midwest, so walleye the, is a big The deal. community is very yeah. tight-lipped about the walleye, though. Should I edit that out? No, or? don't okay. worry about it. Yes, right. I mean, nowadays it's very well known, but back yeah. in the days, People wanted to keep it a secret because, as you know, a lot of people, they like to take the walleye home oh, to eat. Oh, they're good eating, yeah. And the population here is not, a, the walleye is not as common, right? Okay. So people nowadays, they we are always trying to enforce people to uh, do what we call selective harvesting. Yeah. During the spawning season, of course, don't take it, right? Do yeah. what is legal to do, don't poach. Yeah. Release the bigger ones, take what is in between. So yep. you have a sustainable population. We try our best to enforce that. And releasing the bigger ones, I'm gonna guess, but why would you release? Oh yes, fish? to preserve the trophy genetics, right? 
Yes, if, if you have a basketball player, you know, and you have Leo from Extreme Philly Fishing here, and we both have a kid who has a chance of having a taller kid, right? Yeah. That would be the basketball player. Usually, yeah. basketball players are tall. So, it we'll follows that you, logic. Right. <laughs> so we follow that logic. From your perspective, what's the most interesting thing you pulled out of the water in Philadelphia? Oh man, that's a, that's a really tough question. I mean, I, you, you're talking about species, right? Yeah. I would say one of the oddest catches that I had over the years was a few years ago at the Penny Pack Creek. Yeah. Now, see, this is something that someone did it illegally, but one person released all his pet fish into wow. the creek. Hey. Right, we call those invasive species of fish. People yeah. are not supposed it's a bad idea. to do that. It's yeah. a very bad idea. So one day I was just fishing the penny pack. I threw in an inline spinner and I caught a red a pacu, which is a Brazilian yeah. fish, right? And I was it was about a five pounds pacu. So you know, I'm from Brazil. When I saw it, <laughs> I wow, I was perplexed, but I was super happy, right? Yeah. I was like, what is a pacu doing? Independent the pack. Pack. So yeah. that was definitely one of my oddest catches ever you around here. I caught just where I work, just up the creek. Uh huh. I was, um, I got on my waders and, I, and there was a shopping cart. And I was like, Oh, you told me about this, yeah. And I was like, Oh, cool, cool. I'm going to pull the shopping cart out. And I pull it out of the creek and there's a, a pleku. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a pleku, right? Flopping around in the shopping cart. And I was so you know, for reference, this is like a, 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 a algae eating South American bottom South, feeding, yeah. Right, that people keep in their people tanks. People catfish, but yeah, they're not. Yeah, and I, I had no idea what to do. I just put it back. I mean, I probably should <laughs> have t- take it out or killed it or something. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably right. gonna die in the next. Yeah, I just cold winter. I it, w- where was this at? The, just a mile up creek. Oh, from from the cops? In the yeah. cops creek. Oh, in the cops. Yeah. yeah. So someone you know went there yeah, and yeah. released released the pet. I'll say, so then what are your, do you have a favorite or, or particular fish that you're like, just psyched, that, that might not be rare, but like when mm-hmm. you catch them, you're like, yes, I mean, Tony's belted kingfisher, you know, or my black rat snake. I see. Yeah. I don't really have a favorite. Okay. I, I'm sorry to disappoint. A lot of people actually ask me this question yeah, on yeah. social media and I always say, you're always going to be happy. <laughs> right. right. And, and I always tell them, you know, when it comes to a multi-species and I think you guys, life listeners will agree with me. Monotony is really yeah. is really bad. Yeah. You you catch a few at the beginning, it's great of any type, you know, you're like, wow, this is super exciting. But then you start catching them all the time and you just feel I just want something different. The red breasted sunfish kind of get in the way after a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, when people ask me this kind of question, what is your favorite? I always tell them it is always something out there that is unknown to me. I'll yeah. be happy with anything that I have never caught before. Doesn't matter the size, the shape, the color, right? Yeah. But as far as I see it, and I've caught it, and I've added to my list, that adrenaline just You're looking rushes for the next thing. Yes, absolutely. Do you have any then remaining Philly targets yeah, that your you're like? Yeah, fish. Oh, you're white whale, well, as it were. You have lifeless in fishing, <laughs> mm-hmm. like we do birding, but do you have? We have nemesis birds. Do you have nemesis fish? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have one at the moment. I mean, there is one in particular that I have not caught in the Philadelphia area yet. Yeah, what is but it? But I have caught the species elsewhere. Yeah, and that is mean. the bowfin. Ah. The calva. Yeah, the bowfin. If you go to New Jersey, you just travel a little bit to New Jersey and you go to the swamps, you, you can find them. Yeah. But here in Philly, it is just so rare. Sometimes people catch it at the John Hines Wildlife I was gonna say Reservoir, that. Tinicum, right? But it is only during the spawning season where there is a few around and they are there. 
so I have never caught one yet. Another okay. fish, but this, I mean, I will leave it to you if you want to eat it out, okay? It is the sturgeon. Mm. The sturgeon are finally returning to the Delaware River. We've talked about that before, yeah. Yes, and but the thing is, scientists around the area, they just don't want anglers to know that they are back, probably because they're afraid. Oh, we did a whole great article about it, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So what happened is my friend caught one <laughs> last year, right? And someone An Atlantic from, sturgeon? Or uh, a shortness sturgeon? It was from the Delaware River. I'm not sure which kind. Okay. Okay, but someone sent him an email from the government agency to put the video down. Uh, yes, you know, because they just didn't want the video on social media. Okay. So I don't know exactly what type of sturgeon they I'll are. See how I treat that. Okay. Yes, yeah. I don't know what type of sturgeon they are, but once the shad swim up the river to do the spawning and lay the yeah. eggs, you can see in the no even in the known tidal Delaware River, right at the tidal to known tidal, you can see schools of eight to ten of them. Not big, on the smaller size. On those, but they just swim around. Those sound like the short-nosed sturgeon. Oh yes, so probably yeah. the short-nosed. Yeah, but I was, I was fascinated. I never heard about this before until the past three years. And different anglers around the area, some of them have been sending photos in and yeah. talking about it. Then finally, last year, I went to take a look. I didn't target them, but it's like, wow, they, they are swimming around here. And that is fascinating. Yeah, yeah the, the short nose, I only know this because we wrote the article about it. Gotcha. Um, Atlantic sturgeon are the enormous ones. The short-nosed short one is the one that looks kind of yellow-orange in the water? I don't know the color in the water. Oh, I see. But okay. the short-nosed are smaller, which I might see. mean like four or five feet long. Oh, or, or, and then the Atlantic sturgeon are the ones that can get to be like 14 feet long. Oh, I see. Yeah, weigh, definitely like, nodding that. Yeah. several hundred pounds. I see, I um, see. And uh, the size of a small car. I see. And uh, those got wiped out. They were targeted in the early late 1800s, early yeah, 1900s. Yeah, the caviar, was, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so we sort of lost all our sturgeon in about 10 years. Yeah, that um, sucks. It sucks awful. Yeah. Uh, they used to, they, they, Atlantic sturgeon leap out of the water. And so if you read like naturalist accounts or like even newspaper articles from 1800s, mm -hmm. it was like there would be articles about sturgeon jumping out of the water and landing like in the ferries crossing between Camden oh, and Philadelphia. that is crazy. And so like, or just like right next to the ferry. It was just like a routine thing that in the spring you'd have these freaking huge fish flying out of the water wow that, um, that's right nice. by philadelphia but not anymore all right on that happy note <laughs> um i'd like to know what it's gear. you talked about your let's gear? talk about his gear sure yeah i mean yeah sure i mean today, we all love to talk about our gear yeah sure yeah, I mean, I today love, I love. today i just got my ultralight set up with me so this is the ultralight setup that i use very light tackle for trick fishing and the test line, I tend to use two to four pounds test line. Okay. Fluorocarbon line. So because, you know, when, you, when I go out there, I'm not targeting specifically one species of fish. Yeah. So every fishing session, I really need to think about the range of the different species I am going to catch. From yep. the smallest one, which is about one to one and a half inch, yeah. to sometimes a surprise catch that it may be five pounds and above. Yeah. So taking that in consideration, this is usually the setup that I use. It is an ultralight fishing rod which is very light line the fluorocarbon is for a reason it is partially invisible to the fish okay. under the water scientifically versus proven. like monofilament versus monofilament and okay. braided line it's all about the physics and the refraction index okay. of refraction and everything and this is what i use small what, hooks what's the brand again the, you gotta... oh yes i got the casking calamus with me today i'm sponsored by casking so go. i use their gear try to get that in there okay and we also were talking, we'll mention it again, you've mm -hmm. got a small, uh, looks like acrylic 
um, box with water in it? Yes, right. This is what they call the photo tank. So this right here is the photo tank. And it is just a little tank that you can purchase anywhere. People can put fish in it, bugs, yeah. anything that you is find. Is it called a photo tank? Is it like I a... don't know. I mean, we, the lifer people in the fishing community gave it the name of photo tank. Yeah. But I don't, it's just an acrylic People box. use that for tadpoles also. In yeah, you can, you can yeah. even put jewelry in this kind of stuff, you know, but we use yeah. it for the fish. Yeah. I just would like to order one from the center, so when I, because I do seining. Uh-huh. And I like to, you know, put the fish in that room. To show the kids and stuff. Yeah. yeah so what? Yeah. So what, See, this is this is the kind well, of stuff you're looking so for. What's the, uh, you can go to this website called tenkarabum.com. You know, they they got all this stuff that you need over there. It, it, I'm not sponsored by this, by the way. What is that called again? Tank. Ten, uh, tenkara, like T-E-N-K-A-R-A, and then bum, B-U-M. The tenkara is from the Japan. It is a type of fly fishing that people mm. use short poles to do in the small in the, in the creeks for smaller species of fish and you know they usually have one of these the community nowadays <laughs> they have one of these so that you know the fish doesn't die of course i mean yeah. one of the biggest factors for fish and dying is an oxy a lack of oxygen right yeah. so once you get the fish out of the water and we want to record it for our life list a lot of people can be very picky about the photo you know they want ah. the photo to be very niche they want the things to show up I was just talking to you about a species of fish in this creek, uh, the spotfin shiner, yep. that it was very tricky to identify. Yeah. You see it down there and you know it is the spotfin shiner or the satinfin shiner because it's got white on the fins. Yeah. But you would be surprised. That fish, for you to properly identify it, you have to count the anal fin rays. And if there's eight anal fin rays, it, it sounds is like one. you're working with salamanders. Yeah, I know how that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if there's nine, is is the other. So sometimes yeah. we really need one of these to put the fish in, just to make sure you know that when you release it, the fish is fine. If it is a common species of fish, is no big deal. Sometimes one or two dies, right? You don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. But when you are targeting a species that is protected or endangered, right? Yeah. Or there are very few of them around, you definitely want to make sure that they go back safe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you one more question, question before I let you get back in the, the creek and sure. fish. Um, talk a little bit about the response. I mean, like I, uh, to the, to the YouTube channel and the mm -hmm. social media, how do people react to, to something? I mean, it's, it's Philly <laughs> extreme fishing. Yeah, this is, it's, uh... it is way, it is extreme, but it's also like, it is, it is very Philly fishing. So like how to, yeah, how the response been like? So, um, where do I get started with this? Right, I'll, one of the things that people ask me a lot on the YouTube channel, right, and on all my social media platforms, is why I decided to name my social media Extreme Philly Fishing. Because most sorry, of my catches... Sorry? I apologize for flipping it there. I said Philly Extreme is Philly Extreme. That's okay, don't okay. worry about it, right. yes. And, you know, people ask me that all the time because most of the species that I catch are micro-species, right? <laughs> And I always tell people that uh, the, the extreme portion, right, the meaning itself is very subjective. For me, when you go out there to target different species of fish, explore new locations, right, and, and always go beyond your horizons when it comes yeah. that that is extreme. Right. So the response overall on social media for what I do, which is multi-species and life listing, has been overall positive. Yeah. I would say 90-95% positive. Okay. It is not something that people know about overall people are getting more into this trend nowadays now they know about the multi-species and the life listen yeah. but most people in the community they are still very species oriented okay so my channel 
when people come to my channel and they see that kind of stuff, there's always the public who embrace it and they're like, wow, you know, this is new, this is cool. They go to their local bodies of water around the country and sometimes even outside nice. and they start finding all these different species of fish that they never knew existed around the area. Yeah. And then you have the other percentage of people who come to the channel and they're like, I'm not going to watch this, right? I, I, I'm, I were, want to catch They the... want to go watch some tarpon or something. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> they, want to they want to go watch some black tip age for like saltwater big fish or they want to watch yeah. other channels on YouTube like the Guggen Squad for the largemouth bass. The best community is like very big. Yeah, they are. So the yeah. responses are, are always like that. It's, it's always overall positive, but there's always people who, who come and they don't mean any harm, but they're just like, I don't understand why he's doing this kind of <laughs> stuff, right? I don't understand why he's standing in the creek and just flipping rocks and catching fish that are two inch that don't put any fight at all. Well, I say this is like, <laughs> this is incredibly accessible stuff though. I mean, like one of the frustrations of fishing, when you're, especially when you're a kid, mm -hmm. is standing there for hours and not catching something. Absolutely. And so if you can come to a place near your house or near a nature center or whatever, and you can, you can catch, especially, especially working with, I mean, I enjoyed a 41, but like, especially with kids and like pull and really quickly catch sunfish or catch right, whatever's right. in there. It's like an incredibly accessible way yeah, to I interact mean, with what's under the water. You, you know? know, I I would just ride my bike to Pennypack Park with an ultralight <laughs> setup with a bunch of like MEPs. When you were a kid. Yeah. You know, like spinners uh -huh. or whatever. And because I really like lures rather than bait. Yeah. And I would just go in and just catch a mess of sunnies. Yeah. And it was like yeah. the funnest thing in the world. And had yeah. I had this been a thing then, I would have. You, you know, might not be a birder. Might not be able to. <laughs> well, you know, the, when it comes to this question, I, I really appreciate all the feedback always on social media. Sometimes I get emails and messages and photos, and it is, uh, it's so, it is so rewarding. You know, people come and they show me a photo of this little cute fish, right? Yeah. Micro species. And they tell me, thank you so much for introducing me to it, because if you didn't, I, never, I would never have known, right? Yeah. That this species is around. So, the, the, these years that I have been doing this on social media, little by little, you start to realize that the subscribers, the viewers, the people, they start to enjoy nature much, much more. They start to pay more attention to yep. their surroundings, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And that for me is a beautiful thing. It's very rewarding. That's why we do what we do. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, with the birds and everything else, right? Yeah. Do people do saltwater uh, micro fishing? Oh yes. And like, and like, they catch like fairy basslets in like a reef or whatever. <laughs> they usually, yeah. They usually they go to the rifts. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of micro species around there, or tidal areas yeah. in the back bays. But yeah. there are so many different types of uh, killifish, even in New Jersey, that nobody ever heard about, right? Because for the saltwater anglers, they they always refer to those as bait, regardless of species. Uh. And down in Florida, oh man, you got all those cute beautiful ornamental species that people use yeah yeah and people have those in their fish tanks you know yeah it, it is gorgeous that's why i go to florida every year at least three four times nice. just as if you folks would go for reptiles or birds somewhere yeah florida is like my paradise i go down there and you just know you are gonna slay all the species weird down there. all the time yeah yeah so what would you be your one last question Let's keep yeah sure thing. that's fine it's like the spanish inquisition um what uh what would your advice be to someone who's in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. or let's say in any big city? Maybe they're in Phoenix, maybe they're in Melbourne, I don't know. Sure. And like, you're like, I never thought of this before. How do I get in? What should, what should be my first step? In, in order to get to multi-species fishing? Yeah. Sure, yeah, just buy any type of setup, in a, preferentially <laughs> a light setup, you know? Yeah. Tiny hook, 
size 8, size 10, or smaller. One little piece of worm that you can find anywhere. And I always tell people, don't be like afraid. Like a rubber worm. Oh, no, like a, a nightcrawler oh, or okay. earthworm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, an sure. actual live bait worm just to get started. Okay, later, yeah. people can hop to yours, right, and get yeah. all the passion. But a live bait really works well. Okay. And I always tell people, don't be afraid of casting your line anywhere. As yeah. far as you see water and you think there's fishing it, just go and give it a cast. You never know what you're going to catch. Yes. All right, cool. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed our outing with Leo Shang. Of course, make sure to check him out in his social media streams and channels, um, particularly his YouTube videos. You'll thank me and you'll keep watching them to connect with fishing, but also to just cheer yourself up with his intense energy um, for fish and for being outdoors and connecting with nature. Of course, also please check out the profile wrote about Leo in Grid Magazine. And if you want to get in touch with us, please email us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at HerbWildlifeCast. Find us on Facebook. And of course, rate us highly on your podcast listening app of choice. Thanks.